You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Attention sports fans. Are you a fan of an NFL team? Would you love to attend your favorite team's week one game? Well, you're in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. The rules to enter are simple. Step one, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. That's contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. Step two, find us on Facebook, Fans First Sports Network, and like our page. That's it. Once you've done that, you've officially been registered to win the four free tickets to any week one NFL game. What are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. Contest ends on September 4th. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded, the top 25, under 25 edition. We're at number six and I'm super happy to acknowledge that we have a new guest, someone that hasn't been on the pod before, and it's Belle Fraser from the Daily Free Press at Boston University. And uh, this summer, she's also at New York Post. Thank you so much for joining us, Belle. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And one of the guests we get most questions to, to have on is actually the other guest. So we're going to be three people here today. And it's Laura Saba of Locked on Canadians. Thank you as well, Laura. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me choose this player to talk about. Choosing uh, to go over Scott because you are shorter than Scott, I think that was a little bit unfair, though. <laughs> I said that I would have priority over the short kings uh, because Scott, I don't know, Bella, Scott is, is my co-host. I don't know if you've uh, heard anything that he said, but he's also he's six two and I'm five foot nothing. Uh, so I decided to pull rank on this one and I said, I get this player. Well, it's a good one to have. Indeed, it is. And one of our previous guests in, in, on all top under 25, under 25 that, that I've done, I think, is uh, Sean McGilligan. And before the draft, he actually told us on the podcast that if Lane Hudson was 10 centimeters taller, he'd be a top 10 pick. Uh, he'd probably be a top 10 pick anyways if we did a redraft. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, I think when you look at Lane Hudson, he's so good in all areas of his game. But Obviously, when you look at the pro level, size is such a big thing, even though you could argue that, you know, the NHL defenseman is kind of getting more offensive, smaller, that type of thing. You look at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup, you look at Vegas this year, and they had a huge back end. You know, those guys were just very physical, very dominant. Not that Lane Hudson can't be, but, you know, I think the general public would maybe believe that he could be that star defenseman a little more if he was a little bigger. But I mean, we can talk about it more later, but I think he really uses his size to his advantage. And, you know, it doesn't let it hinder his game. Instead, he kind of uses it um, to make him better. He's always been short. I mean, he's always had to play up towards his game in a way or up towards other players. And and for him, it's nothing special in a way because he's Mm -hmm. learned to adjust. But for us, maybe amateurs, hobbyists and and journalists, we, we have to adjust our thinking a little bit and uh, there are successful short players in general and all of them seems to happen to end up in Montreal right Laura yeah (laughs) absolutely I think one of the things since we're talking about size right now 
I think something that people kind of need to remember, and we get this all the time in comments to our podcast, and I'm sure, Patrick, you see it in the comments too. I have to say, I try not to read the comments all the time because you know how it is. But the size, everybody just, you know, is down on the size part. And I think you you do need that physical game in the NHL, but that's not necessarily what Lane Hudson has to bring. That's a balance that the Montreal Canadiens need to find in terms of who they play him with and who they play him against. I think it's really important to kind of use players' strengths to their advantage. And you do have to, in certain cases, shelter some players. But I think Lane Hudson's intelligence is, is and is particularly his hockey sense, is just it's so profoundly good that he can work around that size. But you do have to, as the Montreal Canadiens, and especially as the head coach, you need to pair him up with, with the right uh, defensive partner, I think. That's the big thing. I would also add on, I completely agree with that. But just in terms of, I think he leans into the physical game, even though he's small. And I think at BU this year, you definitely saw it in the second half of the season um, as playoffs and the tournament came up. He was in after the whistle scrums. He was getting in there. He was taking and throwing hits. And although, you know, it may might not be as hard of a hit as his D partner, Case McCarthy, he really wasn't afraid to get in there. And I think that's really special about him. He is this top talent player. He goes out there. He shines. He can change the game. But he is all about his team. You know, if his teammates down, he's going to go defend him. Um, and I think sometimes you don't see that with top stars. You know, it's more about more about them and more about them being safe and those types of things. But he's he's got that edge to him. And I think he's going to have to add a little more this season after we lost, um, you know, our captain, Dominic Fensori, who was also very small, but probably the guttiest D-man on that team. A honey badger without a word, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. But I think, Bell, what you just said kind of also speaks to his ability and his willingness to improve yeah. aspects of his game. It's not just an overall, what am I better at? It's li it's all the little things that he can improve at the same time, which I think is really impressive because, as you said, a lot of players don't do that. They just look at what they're good at and they kind of fall back on that as well. So I like I there's so many positive things that I have to say about him. But I'm sure, Patrick, we're going to talk a little bit more now about his like upcoming season as well <laughs> with all the changes in the lineup. I was going to ask actually uh, Bell about like what can you tell us? Uh, you're going to campus with him, obviously. You're you're going to the practices. You're the beat writer for for the free press, obviously, to to cover the Terriers. You see other sides that we don't. What can you tell us from your perspective about Lane Hudson? Yeah, Lane Hudson. I think the number one thing is the most competitive hockey player I have ever seen. Um, I think a great example of that is the Hockey East Championships this year. We won in overtime. Of course, Lane Hudson scored. He won it for us. Um, and that was a huge deal. You know, this year, Jay Pandolfo came in and it was a really a reboot for the culture and the program of Boston University. And he comes into post game and, you know, is the most calm, monotone, like we still have work to do. The tournament's in two weeks. Like it was great to get this under our belt, but like I'm hitting the rink tomorrow, you know? Um, and of course he celebrated on the ice and stuff, but he is always looking like Laura said, kind of at the next step, um, and how to get better and never being satisfied. And I think that's a huge thing. Um, but just in terms of personality too, you know, Bernie Corbett, he's the radio guy for BU hockey. And he was kind of talking about Lane finally coming out of his shell towards the end of the season. Um, you know, he's so inept with his hockey life and that is the number one 
thing to him, but you definitely saw, you know, he's a funny guy. He's, he um, definitely cracks some jokes and he's a little witty, you know? Um, but yeah, I would say he's all business. Um, he's at Boston University for a reason. I think he's there because he knows this team could do something special this season. But um, yeah, that, that's his number one thing. And I mean, it's so much fun to watch. We all feel spoiled getting to, to cover him every, every weekend. You touched on the development over the season and, and obviously coming into NCAA and, 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 and all that and, and finishing on a quiet high, but not high enough to get a Hobie Baker yeah. nomination even, which is probably the stupidest decision yeah. <laughs> ever. How was the development that you saw? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, him not making the top three for Hobie Baker, we I can't even talk talk about it. The top 10 was kind of given, but, you know, he's well, got... So was the top three, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Lane, I think what really stood out about him, you know, he came in, he was our biggest recruit that year, and you were kind of wondering how this superstar defenseman is going to play in a unit. And I think something that Joe Pereira and Jay Pandolfo did really well is letting Lane know that they have his full trust in him but at the same time that he is part of a team, you know, Lane Hudson, if he wanted to, he could go out there, score three goals and win the game for them. But that's not what they needed him to do. BU this year needed to go away from the indiv individual play and more towards team play. And I think Lane thrives because when you need him, you need him to go out there and score a power play goal. You need him out there in the last 30 seconds of the game. He'll do it, but he's doing it within a greater scheme. You know, he's playing to his teammates' advantages. He's playing to his own advantages. And he's an incredible goal scorer. But I think as he got more comfortable with the guys around him, his playmaking ability is just bar none. You know, you're sitting in the press box with your jaw on the floor when he's somehow, he's on the other end of the ice and then he's in the offensive zone behind the net, makes a no-look pass, which you you didn't even realize, you know, um, Ty Gallagher was open or Quinn Hudson, his brother, was open. And he just has such high hockey IQ and such a vision of the ice and really knows where his teammates are at all times. And that bolstered everyone around him, you know? So I think, yes, it's the goal scoring. Um, he's pretty solid defensively, but it's also just making those around him better that I think really pushed the Terriers to a championship this season into the Frozen Four. Laura, Adam Nicholas has spoken about Lane Hudson being a scholar of the game, really, that he he tries to understand everything. And, and try to evaluate himself, as we've heard from Bell as well, making a mistake, going back on the ice and, and trying to cover out. What can you see Autumn Nicholas' in, influences on Lane Hudson? I think one of the big things with Lane Hudson is that he seems to be like kind of a sponge. You know, you, you said he said scholar. He's a sponge. Like he, he kind of seems to have this ability to take advice, whether it's meant for him or other players, about how to become a better hockey player in general and kind of work on the finer aspects of it. And I think one of the things that kind of got lost is the small improvements that he made in his habits because he was scoring so much and because, you know, oh my God, it's historic. Oh, what a great season. What a fantastic debut season. Uh, all the points he was putting up, all of the highlight reels. Um, one of the things that I find is that he... And I like some scouts might disagree with me, but I think he's kind of what he's done is he's worked a lot on um, sort of camouflaging the weaknesses in his in his skating 
um, like you, you kind of see it, it looks like they're not there, right? Like you need to, you really need to be in me as somebody who's not a prospect expert, who's not a public scout, who's not even a, you know, I'm just somebody who watches him play hockey and is impressed with his play. Like I wouldn't have noticed. It was like, you know, it was too, you really have to have that discerning eye to kind of understand those improvements. Whereas for me, like I had to hear it from scouting experts on our show. And then I had to go back and I had to look at it. And I think really, uh, the way that the best way that it was described is that his brain works faster than his body does. And when I say weaknesses in skating, I'm not saying, you know, he's like a terrible skater or anything like that. Not, not that it's that like, there's like the finer aspects to that, that, that to like the untrained eye, particularly somebody like me, you know, like I watch a lot of hockey, but I don't have that particular eye for watching game tape. Um, I had to, I had to kind of understand like why that comment was made. And it was Hadi Kalakesh, who was also on eyes on the prize as well. Uh, who made that comment said that his body does not work as fast as his brain. So I went back and I looked at some of the plays that really did make the highlight reel. And, you know, some of them were a little bit longer. Like you could see like how the play started and how his mind is working. And you can kind of see like what he's doing with his body to kind of bring his body up to speed with his game. I don't know if that even makes sense, but it just like, it was just something that I, that I, that I, looked at like for me my mouth works faster than my brain <laughs> like I talk much faster than I can think so I, I kind of I relate a little bit in that sense so you could kind of see how he was able to kind of position himself and how, how he was able to move himself in a way that could keep up with what his mind wanted him to do. Skating we have to say is one of his biggest strengths uh, goal scoring touch hockey IQ Bell has touched on it as well one of the weaknesses, though, is is maybe his defensive game, and and we saw that a little bit because there is a difference going from NCAA to go over and play the World Championships with what I call another podcast second tier professionals. There were two instances, and obviously the most the biggest one was against Germany in the semi final in the overtime, where where he got taken to the cleaners and. I think the German player even had time to fold the, the, the laundry afterwards. But but how bad is the defense at NCAA level, Bell? Yeah, I mean, not bad at all. I As much as Lane is an offensive defenseman, he is a defenseman. Um, and I think he takes that responsibility very heavily. You know, he's not just there to be an offensive guy. And he gets back when he needs to. But I also think kind of what Laura is saying, you know, he's always thinking about what he wants to do. He's one of the most creative guys on the ice. So I do think it's a balance of, I see this open slot. Do I, do I drive the net right now? Is is Case, my D partner, is he able to get back if you need to? And I think when someone is that excited about the game and has that much talent, it can be hard to, you know, pull yourself out of the offensive game. Um, But I think again, second half of the season, BU went down to five defensemen at one point. His D partner, Case McCarthy, had a very scary injury in the playoffs. Dominic Vensori, our captain, was down. Um, and then we had John Copeland come in as the seventh defender during the regular season. So, it, you know, it was it was a mess. And so Lane's role kind of shifted to being, I, I need to be a leader on, on the back end now, you know. Someone else can go score tonight and I need to kind of hold it down. And I think, obviously, that's a transition. Obviously, he's still putting himself in the rush, but um, he knows his role. And I think BU's coaching staff does a really good job of being like, Lane, you're a star, but like, this is what you need to do for this team to win. And he, he understands that. Um, but I definitely agree. I think kind of rounding out both sides of his game to be as solid as they can be will be a huge step for him. Um, 
And I mean, coming into BU this season, we were talking about a little bit before with Tom Willander coming in and, you know, it's a very exciting buzz around and Lane's an assistant captain this year. So that's a whole other level of, you know, leadership and responsibility that he has to take on outside of the rink. And I think it'll also translate to his defensive game on the ice too. One of the coaches I look up to is, is Runberg, and, and I know our listeners is tired of this quote, but, but it seems to me that, that what you're describing is that he has to learn to play poker. And he has to learn when to go all in and when to fold at, at a higher level because he's going to face NHL-level players sooner rather than later. Yeah. We will take a quick break here. We'll be back shortly, but be sure to turn down the volume in order to stay on the road if you're listening to this in a car. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. And we're back. You mentioned leadership and, and going to become an assistant captain and, and also uh, taking the leadership on and in, in the situation that you guys were in. How big of a leader is he on the ice and how big of a leader is he off the ice? Because that's something that we don't know. We don't see that. Yeah, I think he's definitely more of a lead by example guy. You know, he's not in the locker room giving a big pregame or postgame speech, but you talk on our podcast at BU, we have we had a lot of the seniors, upperclassmen on this year. And obviously we ask about Lane and they're like, we're learning things from him every day. You know, his routine, his work ethic, just how he carries himself as a hockey player. I think that rubs off on everyone around him and just how seriously he takes the pride of being a Terrier, um, I think is something that's very admirable. And, you know, if a freshman can do it, that's going to trickle down to the lineup, to the junior who's maybe not working as hard in practice. It's like, well, if this kid can come in here, you know, as an 18, 17 year old and, and kind of get things done, then I'm going to as well. And I think it all just ties back. I mean, we've said it again and again, but his compete level on the ice, you know, he, he makes guys want to work harder. He makes guys want to up their, their own play um, because he's kind of setting the standard. He's setting the tempo for how the Terriers compete um, and how other teams come into games. You know, that. Lane and the rest of that room wants people to be scared to play Boston University. Um, and I don't think that's something he needs to say. It's something that you can obviously see through clips on Twitter. But when you're there in the game covering it, you talk to him post game, it's like that kid's dialed in. And and how how could that not be, you know, contagious to those around him? If, if we're looking forward to, to this season, you touched on it, Bell. Uh, a certain Tom Willander comes into to the team. Um, I'm looking forward, and, and I spoke, as you guys know, because we're recording this in advance, that I'm, I've already spoken with Max Bolin and, and uh, assistant coach with Rögle, who's coaching Adam Engstrom, and he was like, if they put Lane Hudson and Willander together, I'm going to watch every game. <laughs> but but and, and Willander can play both defense and offense to a little bit better of a degree than, than Lane, but what is realistically coming in with a new D partner, probably, and, and then with the point production he's already had, what can we expect going forward? And what should we realistically expect maybe? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone at BU right now is trying to process how 
cool and great this season could be. Um, but yeah, I think one of the Terriers main strengths this season, honestly, was making adjustments and making in-game adjustments. So it doesn't worry me that he's going to have a new D partner. I also think they're probably talking and, um, you know, both of them are such high competitors that they're going to want to do whatever they can to kind of get going. Obviously there's going to be an adjustment period. We had a really crazy first couple of weeks of the season this year where every freshman got on the score sheet basically in the first two games and they had a crazy start, but you know, that's not normal. There's usually some kinks to, um, to work out, but I, I think you expect huge things from Lane Hudson. I think you expect a Hobie Baker season, you know, he, it's huge that he came back for his second year. I, I would always argue that he needed a bit more time to develop, but he came back for a reason. You know, he's not just there to work on his skating at Aganis Arena and kind of hang out with the guys. He He's there to cement himself even more as one of the best players in college hockey and a little more believability that he can make it at the pro level. So he had 48 points, I believe, this year, you know, top earning for a college defenseman in Hockey East uh, record setting. So I think he breaks that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I truly think Lane Hudson just continues to get better every day, every month, every year. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a step back in any sense. Laura, we had another uh, prospect that stayed an extra year in the NCAA, a certain Cole Caulfield. It worked out fine. Can you see the same kind of development running out his game and, and maybe getting more involved in the game defensively as well as um, Cole Caulfield did? Uh, that's the hope. And I think one of the things that uh, is, is important with the Montreal Canadiens is that they have a logjam in their prospect pool right now. If you look at every position, uh, they have a lot of players. And so I don't think it makes any sense to prematurely pull Lane Hudson out of the NCAA um, and put him in a situation where he's not going to develop. Like, I think the main thing with Lane Hudson is to put him in the best position to actually hit his potential. Eventually he is going to have to play against any NHL competition, but I think that it's like, in my mind, it's not a super rush, but I think what you can see based on the player's habits, based on the player's ability and based on his work ethic, as Bell alluded to, I think that once he does make that jump, you are going to see a, uh, with the right coaching, uh, that's the caveat with Cole Caulfield. There was there were some issues with coaching at some point. With the right coaching, you're going to see that this player is really going to, I think, do his best to live up to that high ceiling that he projects. One thing where where I mean, like the preseason with with a um, well junior showcase here this <laughs> this past week <laughs> hasn't really lowered expectations. Well. If it has lowered expectations? No, it hasn't really. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, I don't think it has. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it hasn't. And, yeah, I mean, he he's Lane Hudson. BU did the phrase, like, Lane Hudson doing Lane Hudson things. And, you know, it kind of spread across college hockey because he just sets that standard for himself. Um, and, I yeah, I think he shows that at every level of the game, no matter where he's playing. So I, I wasn't surprised, you know, that goal that went viral – about a week ago, I was like, of course, you know, you're not, I think you're not even surprised at this point. I remember there was a game this season, maybe against Vermont that, you know, we were going through the post-game stats and writing the recap and Lane had four or five assists and it wasn't even the headline of the article because it's just like, that's what Lane <laughs> does. It was kind of tucked in at the bottom, like, oh, by the way, Lane Hudson also had four assists, but you wouldn't even know because 
you know, that's just an, an, a regular night for him. So that brings us up to, to maybe the highlight of the year. And especially for me um, in Sweden, down the road, the World Junior Championships. Will he be a leader on that team as well? Yes, I think Lane Hudson's a leader on whatever team he's on. Um, kind of for the same reasons why I said I thought he was going to be a good assistant captain at BU. Um, and I also think something really special about Lane Hudson is that the moment does not intimidate him. You know, BU played in some of their biggest games in the past five years this season. Um, conference, regular season conference title, conference championship. They made it through the regionals and they made it frozen four. And, you know, the amount of these are their kids like it is hockey. It is a sport. But th these guys were in high school last year, you know, so I think for him, no matter what stage it is, stage it is, he comes out and he plays the exact same way, which is not true for even some of our best players on the team. You know, like our frozen four performance, you saw some of our top guys kind of just get muddled down by the stakes and the crowds and, you know, what was on the table. But I think for Lane, you put him in whatever situation, he's like, I'm just playing hockey, you know, I'm just doing what I'm good at. Um, and I, I think that's really special about him because it, it lets him reach those same levels of success, no matter who's he, who he's playing with, who he's representing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, totally. Laura, on, on, on the list, we have David Reinbacher at number seven and Lane Hudson at number six. Is that the future D pairing? I, it looks like it from, you know, the first rookie camp or sorry, development camp um, that we've seen so far. I think it's really interesting because Lane Hudson is such a versatile player that you can play him with more than one player in this prospect pool. I think last it was just last year that everybody had him penciled in with Caden Gooley and now everybody has him penciled in with David Reinbacher. But, you know, on that preliminary view, they did seem to complement each other very, very well. They definitely had some chemistry and it definitely looked like there were some other defensive prospects on the ice there. It definitely looked like these two were kind of skating circles around those unnamed players <laughs> that are also pretty high in this in this depth chart, I should say. Um, it, it did really seem like something that the steady, uh, reliable, physical play of David Reinbacher complements a little bit the risk-taking, creative kind of, you know, um, transitional play that Lane Hudson brings, that offensive game that he brings. I do think that it's it's a very, very intriguing prospect. But I do want to go back to what Bell said um, uh, a moment ago and talking about the future of Lane Hudson. He does seem to, at this moment in time, be a tough player to coach against, right? And I think that that's something that he needs to maintain. So whether it's the World Juniors or in the NHL or in the NCAA, like he seems to have figured out a way to be difficult to coach against. And that's why I think, you know, you won't see him shrink as well. And that confidence is is obviously a huge thing. I will never forget. This is this is why I fell in love with this player is that he showed up to the NHL draft combine with a letter from a doctor saying there was a possibility that he could grow up to, I don't know how many inches. Two and inches, that I think me, it was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like just that idea of him just doing that, like, like the, the, the guts, the audacity, the boldness it took to do that. I was like, this player, I hope the Canadians get him. And then when they did, it was amazing. And it was between the combine and the actual draft itself that we started talking to some public scouts and they had like a lot of positive things to say about Lane Hudson. And I just think for me, 
that like you know that really bold creative aspect uh, mirror or paired with David Weinbacher's like steadiness and that like calm confidence that like he just he knows the right things to do in a defensive situation even this early in his career I think like that's going to go so well together if the Canadians should choose to go down that route in the future yeah if I could add on to that really quick I completely agree and I think Lane Hudson can play with anyone, but it'll really be up to the Montreal Canadiens to be able to use him to the best of his ability. That's a special player, and I think it would be a shame if you had him and he wasn't in the best pairing that, you know, bolsters his performance. I think with Ryan Bacher, it's so true. I mean, I'm going to reference the New York Rangers because I'm a Rangers fan, but you look at Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren. Like, Lindgren's role is completely to be a shutdown defenseman if Fox wants to go and be an offensive guy and arguably... Fox is not a Norris Trophy winner if he's not paired with someone as sturdy and reliable as Lindgren. And I think that same thing goes for Lane Hudson, where, yes, he can work on his defensive game. Yes, he's a versatile player, but why not have him with someone that lets him be that creative playmaker, you know, that that exciting player that could really change that organization. So I completely agree with Laura, and I think it, it's an important decision that the coaching staff has to make because it, it'll, it'll dictate his professional identity you know we know who he is in college but who is he going to be in the nhl we've seen in nhl that coaches are starting to implement overloading trying to force counting errors lane hudson will obviously be one of those players that is drawn into that because of his speed and of his skills and playmaking ability being activated out of the d line and it's a really big strength and i've spoken to a lot of coaches or not a lot but three coaches here in Sweden starting to use basketball as a video or, or create setup plays where you overload, create space for someone else and pass the ball out there. That would suit Lane Hudson's play very, very well. Yeah, no, I think it definitely would. And I think BU has some set plays, but I think they honestly started doing that unknowingly or not on purpose this season. Um, it's interesting like you said, the the space that Lane Hudson can create for himself is really incredible. And and teams, especially in Hockey East and, I mean, out of conference too, they go into that game being like, shut down Lane Hudson. If you shut down Lane Hudson, BU is a much easier team to play. Um, but with that, even with every guy on the opposing team, eyes on him and kind of focusing on him, I, going back to his size, his shoulder shakes, he shimmies around these guys. He's able to get in spots that a bigger guy wouldn't be able to get into. Um, so I think he definitely has the caliber to be able to do that. And he's kind of already doing it. You know, he completely changes the complexion of a play um, in a second, you know, and you kind of watch it back and you're like, well, he was just over there and how did that happen? But he he kind of just knows how to do it and he's always finding his openings. So I think if in Montreal, that's something that they kind of lean into, he would excel in that position. I was about to say, I know a coach who would really like that, <laughs> and that is Martin St. Louis. Um, I think, Patrick, you'll agree with me on that one. Yeah, indeed. I'm, I'm sure after this and, and after Laura has invited you back to her pod in, in, in two weeks' time. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. We're oh, One, we always want Lane Hudson talk. Two, like you brought so much good insight. I, I want our listeners to hear it, too. You really should make note to follow Bell's writing on... Uh, the daily free press at Boston University. You can always look for for Relander highlights as well because that's going to be great. <laughs> Those two together. I, I I'm I'm with Max Boleyn here. I I'm going to stay up and watch some some 
rickety rackety videos of some crappy scream just because I can. <laughs> Be sure to follow Bell. Do you have your Twitter handle or X handle or or not handle or whatever it's called this week? I know. I'm still calling it Twitter. It's Bell B E L L E Fraser F R A S E R one. And that's it. And then for BU hockey coverage, it's the Boston Hockey Blog on Twitter, which um, is in my bio, but that's full coverage of, you know, Lane Hudson, obviously, um, and the BU season next year. So that's the one to follow too, if if you want in-depth coverage of his sophomore campaign. Thank you so much, Belle. Everyone knows where to find Laura because she's one of the most requested guests on the pod. Thank you both so much for taking time out on the Sunday to, to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs>